What is up, my self-improver? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. I hope you're doing well and that you're geared up for a self-improvement sit-down. In these interviews, I bring on individuals with inspiring stories and transformative missions who are also leaders in their field and are expert teachers. I am so excited for this interview, so stick around, but also be sure to check out the weekday episodes where I share a two-minute, digestible, bite-sized personal development approach, exercise, reflection, or concept that will help give you new ideas to accelerate your journey towards self-growth. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you prioritize your personal development moving forward. But that is all for another day. Let's jump into the conversation we have in front of us right now. This is Self-Improvement Sit-Down number 32 with Garen Jones. And we are live. I've been listening to this guy speak for years, and he is one of the most electric, captivating speakers I've ever heard. His name is Garen Jones, and he's got a fascinating history that's too long to retell, but the short of it is... Garen was sentenced to 12 years in French prison for smuggling 6.2 kilos of heroin, but got out after two and a half because of one simple thing, the power of positive thinking. Upon returning to the States, Garen had a lot of success in the music industry, which sent his life up and down and across until he found himself homeless and hopeless. It was in this space where he completely surrendered. He took ownership of his life and soon discovered his life mantra, change your mindset, change your life. Garen has gone on to motivate tens of thousands of people on international stages, succeed as a serial entrepreneur, and achieve authentic happiness by expressing his inner child. He's an inspiration and someone you're going to want to listen to. Garen, thank you so much for being on today. Bro, that intro was freaking fire. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, thank you. Because I mean, with, without your openness to discovering that process and stepping in and doing the work, you know, none of this would be possible. It all starts with you and starts and ends with you. And I'm super grateful for that. And I'm just, I'm curious, this is, this is totally an off question. You might not have been asked this one before, but I've always been fascinated by tattoos and I don't have one myself, but like, I'm always really curious about tattoos. And I just want to know, you know, before we get into everything, because there's a lot to cover, but before we get into that, like what tattoo do you have that is most meaningful to you and why? All of them are connected. Okay. There is no separation in any of them. They all tell a story that leads to the next story that leads to the next story. And I never wanted tattoos because I didn't want to be 90 years old with some saggy tattoo. But then I always know when I'm being channeled or what I like to say when God is speaking to me. So when I get that jolt of something to act on something, I just say yes, Mm. even how crazy it sounds. So I'm the person who would never have a tattoo. But when one day I was so driven, I had a message of me at my dad's grave and my dad didn't have a grave because you know, he, we had him cremated. But at the time I had so many nightmares of me at his grave. I'm like, why do I keep being at his grave? Hmm. And then all of a sudden I took the tattoo, drew it, took it to the, um, took it to the tattoo place, put his grave on my arm. And it was almost like he wanted to be, like there's like a spiritual burial and then all of a sudden it went away. All of my tattoos have stories exactly like that. And it's one story that links to the next story that links to the next story. This is all one big tattoo that's broken up into pieces. 
super interesting. So it's almost like your history of listening to messages and reproducing them to either let go yeah. of something or to support something. Wow. That's, it's the that's awesome. Physical, physical expression of me listening to messages, spiritual amazing. messages. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. And that's why I'm so fascinated by it because like it, it really is meaningful, you know, and, and that's really special. I just wanted to kind of open that platform. All right, let's get into your story. And, you know, we're already talking about your transformation, these different messages, but let's, let's actually kind of like pull back the layers a little bit and kind of walk through a few steps. So clearly there was some metaphysical shift that had to occur to get you out of prison. You know, that was no accident. We can kind of talk about the circumstances there, but a shift requires a before and an after. And yeah. I'd love for you to talk about like, who is Garen Jones now and who was he when he went to prison? And what was that process of kind of the thoughts and patterns and behaviors you had then, what you learned while in prison and how, and I know it was a longer story than that because, yeah. you know, so, so what set the path then on that way out? Well, I've got to answer this in two parts because now knowing what I know, I cannot from a physical realm truly articulate who is Garen Jones because Garen Jones is a name. However, there are characteristics of the evolution of Garen of now and from the past. So those characteristics um, from when I was living in my car was negative, cynical, backstabbing, sleep with your girlfriend while calling you my best friend, um, gossiping, comparing, insecure. Those are pretty much the characteristics that made up who I called Garen back then. And I used to always say, I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm in prison inside of my own body to the point where I literally manifested being in prison so far away from home, which mm. was in France, in prison. Mm -hmm. So now my characteristic uh, is of joy, peace, gratitude, adventure, uh, building people up, seeing the value of myself and seeing the reflection of myself inside of you and seeing you as a reflection of me and continuously amplifying on that. So the characteristics of that naturally mirrors my physical life because I see the value in myself so much. My money has to match that value. My wife has to match that value. My friends have to match the value that I see in myself because I'm attracting everything according to how I see myself. Mm. So that's the difference in the, um, from the before and the now, I don't want to say the after, but the before and the now. And now that I understand this process of continuous evolution and growth, now I don't have to sit and think that I'm stuck. And if you can see what has happened in my life in the last eight years, now imagine what will happen in the next eight years as it continues to amplify over and over and over. So. To answer your question in a woo-woo-ish, logical, spiritual kind of way, I'm a fucking badass. I know it, and so are all of you out there. That's and right. And once you know it, your life is going to show up and say, welcome home, just like it did for me.
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's something we'll get into a little bit is kind of like the inner child and self-expression piece. But like there is so much of us that's just indoctrinated and learned. And like we perceive all these pressures and we just let them affect us and our behavior in ways that are so unnecessary. And the second that you can just like own yourself and shift out of that and just kind of like stand on your feet and rooted in like your present, like that is just a super powerful position. And I, I mean, you have totally embodied that, but what it required was for you to start low, like rock bottom low, right? Like you had to start there to see it. And, and that's kind of, you know, I, I know that there's kind of different, almost rock bottoms. Like there's one particular rock bottom in your life, but, but going back to prison, because like you're talking about freedom and entrapment, like, you know, manifesting prison is a very powerful thing, but you became a free man while you were in prison because of what you changed within your mind. And I think that is such an interesting concept. Could you talk to us about, you know, that process and and how that happened? So no disrespect. To, to all the people that fought and died for our country's freedom. Mm. And I, ju- I want to say this real clear so it doesn't blow over people's head. But just because you're free in your country does not mean that you're necessarily free in your mind. And the real freedom is when you have the power to possess your own mind. So before I went to prison, like I said before, I used to say, I feel like I'm in prison inside of my own body. And so while I was in prison, I didn't know that I had attracted myself there until I was watching Shawshank Redemption. And and it's a movie that's based in prison. He said, they can take everything they want away from me, but they can't take away my mind. And instantly my brain goes, oh my God. Well, then that means whatever is going on in the physical cannot determine what's going on in the mental. And in that very moment, and I said, I'm, as long as I'm doing everything that I love, I'm a free man because I never did everything that I love when I was free. Mm-hmm. I was doing what everybody else wanted me to do, which is a prison inside of a prison anyways. So while I was in there, I remembered that I loved singing. I remembered that I loved running. I remembered that I loved working out. I remembered that I loved drawing and just doing these things that I loved as a child. And I just got back to doing it. And I felt more freer than I did when I was free, doing what everybody else wanted me to do, but never honoring what was in my soul. Well, the heart is the most powerful frequency in the world, what comes from the heart. And when you don't use it, what merits is your life uh, based off of? So when you actually use what's keeping you alive, your heartbeat, what's in your heart, you have the power to generate your life from that power source. Mm. While I was in prison, all I did was use everything that was in my heart. Why Mm. do you think they say home is where the heart is? So when I remembered who I was, what was inside of my heart, the truest essence, I discovered freedom. And soon after that, the physical had to mirror how I saw myself. Mm. I saw myself free. It's almost like the Batman symbol. You see the Batman symbol. It's, people don't run to the symbol. They run to where the source is. It's where it's coming from. Mm. So if I see free through my eyes, my life will be free. Mm. 
That's, that's unbelievable. And that's a similar perspective you have when it comes to the power of positive thinking too. You know, the book, like you've been reading that so many times, probably over 300 times by now. 397 now. Oh my gosh. I was selling you short. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's the thing is like you, you kind of fill your brain with that kind of that messaging and then you create that from your heart space. And I, I think that's a really powerful point too. You know, David Meltzer, he's, he's my mentor. You know, he says that something that vibrates the fastest and the highest is the truth. And what you do is when you live your truth, you're self-actualized, you're self-aware, then you actually can start creating this kind of energetic field around you. And, and that's actually what happened with you in prison. You know, you're talking about, you started singing, you started running, you started doing these things. And that was contagious and rubbing off on the people that you were effectuating basically in prison as well. So like your decision to embrace your truth ended up rippling out to others and creating positive results. And who knows if that contributed toward your better treatment in the facility or whatever. But, but I think that's really important. And I know that you're a very energetic kind of connected being. Um, but, but could you touch on kind of like the power of energy and how it, when you are intentional about your energy, like what, what power that has on those around you and how you can be intentional about that communication? I'll show you the power. Here's, and I always like to speak in relative terms. If you can think of the sweetest person you know, like your grandmother, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's a lot of grandmothers. Go over to your grandmother's house before you even walk in, there's a sensation that just fills your entire body. You can smell the food, see the plastic on the couch and <laughs> everything. You walk into the house and it's like, hey, baby. And it's a little bitty house, but the, it, there's a sense of love before someone even opens their mouth. And you can feel it. That is a direct reflection of the owner of the house. I've been to a multi-million dollar house. I went to a party. This guy was a freaking dick. Like he was so egotistic. When I walked into his house, the house mirrored how he treated people. And I was like, I'm cool on this. So the energy of the house literally comes from who the owner is as a person, their being. And if you've ever looked at these, you know, these esoteric books and you look at even in the Bible, you look at certain things and you see like this aura around people. That aura is actually a magnetic space. It's, it's, there's magnetism from that aura and there's different color auras and everything. Well, positivity also bleeds a certain color. It's like a white aura, okay? Well, the more and more and more and more you feed your mind and feed your, because everything, there's a, there's a brain cells in your gut. They say, that's why they say you are what you eat. So the more you feed your mind, it trickles down into your gut, that trickles into your heart, that trickles into your body and everything. So when you pour water into a cup, you keep pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, eventually the flow over. Well, the flow over of your life is what you're feeding your aura. That's your energy. So when you're pouring into your own cup, it starts to spill over. But if you keep pouring, just like if you pour into a cup, it'll spill over and fill up the next container. And then if you keep pouring, if it's too big for the container, then that's gonna explode or overflow, kind of like a baby when it's too big for the womb, it 
the next level, it has to be pushed out. My aura in prison was too big for the space. So what once grew in prison, like what once grew inside the womb, had to be contracted so that it could be pushed out into the next realm. So my next realm was freedom. The next realm of the baby is freedom into the next level. And so energy, the way that it works is it's got to pour inside of you first. And a lot of times you can't see it. But then once you keep pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, you start to see people treat you different because you're treating yourself different. And energy is pour in, pour out. That it's give or take. And I just keep it really simple like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you say where energy flows, energy goes, you know, and that's kind yeah. of like almost creating kind of a, a vacuum or like a container that like, okay, this is where it's, this is where I'm putting energy into. And now which is going to attract more and more of that and with less friction. Right. So it ends up kind of compounding and accelerating in that way. And that's, that's the intentional decision is like, what's the container that you're filling up. And I Absolutely. love how that, that related back to in terms of like your truth in your heart, because when you use your heart source, that is the most powerful piece that you have to use. So then when you have all of this abundance to give and give and give, because it comes from like the truest part of you, now it can amplify and magnify and attract even more because it's just that much more authentic, you know, and a lot of your message is about authenticity. And I think, I think that's actually a perfect transition um, because something that is preventing a lot of people from being authentic is something you've touched on a few times, which is freedom and how we do not experience freedom or sometimes we choose not to experience. And I I like that distinction, the mental freedom, right? Um, Because, because you can be a free person in the physical world, but not in your mental emotional space and, and kind of um, the, the, the large moment that you had that kind of was you surrendering and accepting your freedom in your car. What it was three 43 in the morning, August, 2011, you know, you just kind of surrendered and, and, and it was an expression of your freedom. Could you kind of put us back in that space and tell us what kind of was building up and, and what you did? Well, what was building up is everything was being taken away from me. Like my daughter, my girlfriend, my money, my opportunities, my friends, so many different things. Or there's always an or. Everything is being taken away from me. Or (laughs) the universe is removing everything so that you can learn how to be with yourself. So you can learn about who you are. Because see, if I remove everything, what you have left is you. And so during that time, I didn't realize that from the space of nothing, you can create anything. Hmm. and so going back august 2011 you know i wasn't aware of this but i was just like okay i'm tired of fighting i don't want to fight anymore i want to be healthy i want to be happy i want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people i want to inspire people i just i i i I want to make money but i want the money to represent something that i passionately believe in that I would do for free. Show me a sign. This is me crying out. This is me not listening to anyone else. This was me listening to my heart, what's in my soul. It was just, ah, ah. That's what happened. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that ended up leading you to being in an accepting space where you are willing to be molded by kind of the breadcrumbs of the divine, as Joe Dispenza puts it, like those little snippets of your potential or kind of path. Um, and one of those things was the change your mindset, change your life. You know, that's where a week later you met a homeless man that told you change your mindset, change your life. And you're like, oh, boom, click. And, and that has been the foundation and framework for a lot of your development since, which is absolutely fascinating. The compliment to that, which, which is interesting, is like by having nothing, then you can create, right? Like we're all natural creators, which is really exciting. And we want to create from our heart center. You know, that keeps being a, a, a kind of a, a true term. But again, kind of, and this, this is kind of like an interesting spin on it too, is as we have like the, the freedom we're talking about, you know, like some of the factors are self-imposed and kind of society contributing something towards you that changes your behavior. But some of it is just kind of the laws of like the land and the context and stuff. And I, I mean, I'm sure you've been in like an advocate and kind of a proponent for BLM and a lot of the social unrest that's coming up right now. And and specifically like with that freedom piece, like that, that is kind of at the heart of, you know, people um, feel like their safety and their freedom is kind of being taken away from them to some extent. And I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You can't see the picture while you're in the frame. There's a lot of racist people who don't know they're racist because when it was on the surface, like clear as day, actually was not that long ago. So the parents, because children often take after parents, even if they're not intentionally doing what their parents are doing. Whatever household you're in, you'll pick up on the energy, you'll pick up on the language. And when you're a baby, you don't know any difference. So by the time you're even conscious, you already have the stuff in you. You already have the stuff from even when you're inside the womb. The mom was in fear or the mom was anger, 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 anger. The baby will come out from this inferiority context or this fear or this insecure without even knowing. Mm. And then once you're aware, you've already bypassed the 15 years that you forgot about. And I, I'll tell you the biggest thing is, you know, I had a, had a root canal. My face was the size of Thanos's. This is exactly what's going on in the world today. So I went to the specialist and they said, well, you've got to get a root canal. And I said, how is that possible? Because I, I had a root canal like 17 years ago. It's supposed to be dead. They said, whoever originally did your root canal didn't get it all the way to the root. So everything on top of that infected area is what's showing up on the surface now. Mm. At the root, it's infected. And so because it wasn't cleared at the point of impact, you have 17 years worth of infection that is showing up on the surface. Mm. That's what's happening with the rioting, with the, with the looting, with, the, with the, all these different things, and people are trying to point at the surface. The system is fucked. And it's always been fucked because it was designed for a specific person, specific pigmentation. So because of all these different things at the root, America needs a freaking root canal <laughs> and, and it just spills over. So for me, I've always known the difference because when I was five years old 
and I was living in um, I was living in Texarkana, Texas, between Texas and Arkansas. This was 1985. I uh, went to a predominantly an all-white school and there was these white boys that were chasing me around every single day and calling me nigger every single day and beating me up and all these different things and I didn't I, I that's all I know is I can only associate with what keeps happening to me boom and one day this white boy that wasn't a part of their group says hey stop leave him alone he didn't do anything to you I didn't ask him for him to save me but he just acted on what felt right to him they didn't listen to me when I said stop they listened to someone that looked like them because people only listen to who they relate to and so in that moment I knew there was a difference I was like whoa during this entire time I've just been trying to educate people on one one you're not going to minimize the way that I feel in my words because you'll never know what it's like to to live in my skin. Even as a multimillionaire, I, I experience this stuff all the time, but I'm so used to it. However, it's the first time in my life somebody actually wants to listen to me, wants to hear. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, I've just do, been doing my part and educating people on my personal experience. And I'm, I'm so grateful we're in the state that we're in because more people are talking, more people are filming, more people are standing up and whatever it turns out into, it needs to get ugly before it's pretty. All change is hard at first, ugly in the middle and glorious in the end. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the process and I'm glad for the people who are speaking out and um, I'm glad for the people who are being quiet because they're being called out finally. Mm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that perspective. And actually, a lot of what you touched on, of course, I, I cannot relate. You know, I'm as white as it gets. My last name is Ford, you know, so it's like I definitely am in a different spot than you. But but like what you're touching on from like kind of the unconscious learned kind of systemic side of it, I've been I've been on the, the positive side of that, right? Like I've benefited from that my entire life. And I've just been like, oh, wow, I'm so good. I, you know, this is me. I earned it. And it's like, yes, to some extent, but also like, how much of this was handed to you because of the way that things are. And I think that's what's different about this particular moment in history and this kind of movement within racial equality is that people aren't pointing the finger being like, oh, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. They're like, oh, wait, no, for me within myself, like how am I related to this? How have I been a part of this? And you know, myself, like I, I don't identify as a racist, right? Like, I don't identify as that, but I, I certainly have racial bias. You know, I, I certainly do. And I think that's an important distinction because of the level of conscious and intention, intentionality behind it, you know, but, but it is a really important discussion that, you know, people don't necessarily always look out. You actually look within yourself because yeah, if you want to, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? So it's like, you got to start yeah. with yourself and, and what you're talking about with energy and attraction and stuff too. Once you start embodying and exhibiting certain things, then that ends up being the energy that flows um, and, and interacts with other people. Yeah, and there's something I want to add to that. I love that you made the distinction as, as just the, the, the racial bias. And, you know, people only know how to express themselves the way that they were taught. And, you know, uh, there's one guy, he was just like, I, you know, I just don't get it. It's like we, we both have, we both were born, we both have equal opportunity. I'm like, bro, you have no idea. 
it's mm. not equal. I've worked 10 times as hard to get the same opportunities that someone else that doesn't have the pigmentation of me. I don't ever talk about it because I'm used to it. And, and he was like, but why do you have to say Black Lives Matter when all lives matter? I was like, let me share something with you. You have a kid, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, if your kid starts crying, like, Dan, Dan, you know, I'm hurt. And he was like, well, all kids hurt. Hmm. I was like, that would be truthful. But would it hurt your child? Yes. Okay. And if your kid was crying and you were diminishing their words every time they're trying to come to you, what do you think would happen to that child? Say, well, then eventually my child wouldn't talk to me. Why? Because she, he, she wouldn't trust me. I said, why? Because there would be no emotional closure. And I was like, yes, if you keep diminishing and keep diminishing, the kid's going to get rage. Then listen to me. The, it's going to happen. He was like, yeah, take your white kid out and put a black life when they're crying out black lives matter. We're not saying black lives matter. We're actually crying because no one will listen to us. I said, but what would you do as a great parent? I would want to get what was underneath the tears and say, okay, and what is this? And how does that make you feel? And what else? And what else? And what else? I was like, you do it with your kid all the time. So why would you deny me of that right? And so, it, you know, those are the conversations that I'm having. It's been beautiful conversations. I'm not afraid to have difficult conversations. A lot of other people are afraid that, I was like, listen, you can say whatever you want. Nothing you can say is gonna offend me because I know myself. I appreciate how you frame that in the lens of a child, you know, because we all can, we all were children, right? So we all can relate yeah. to that, how moldable we are, how really perceptive we are and what our needs are. Like, it's very simple, just kind of acknowledgement, fair treatment, you know, just like there's, it's a really simple formula, you know, to some extent. And, and let's get kind of back to your work here, you know, and something that I've been fascinated to learn about through you is kind of that, that inner child expression, kind of that inner child work that like you really have embodied. And you have this great example of, you know, imagine that, you know, your inner child just loves to dance. And every single day they're tugging at your pants saying, can I dance? Can I dance? Can I dance? And you yeah. just continue to ignore and ignore, and ignore what's going to happen. And that's a very similar argument for what's happening here with BLM yeah. is like just, just being ignored, you know, and um, because like you want something and, and it's reasonable, but like, let's actually allow that. But so there is a bridge, I guess, between these two topics. But when it comes to kind of expressing your inner child and finding that and tapping into it and shedding the layers, what everyone else tells you to do. And, and, you know, even going back to like prison and like the prison that you put yourself in that keeps you from speaking to your inner child or accessing your inner child. Like, what is the first step that you tell someone to do when it comes to like, let go of it, you know, kind of step into your truth, like, like acknowledge your inner child. Like, how does that process start? So I, I, I'm more focused on things that you, you loved when you were a child. What, what is that? Oh, I love to do puzzles. When was the last time you did puzzles? 20 years ago. I get them to do puzzles. You can elicit that feeling again. So I get people to write down five things they used to love to do as a child. You see, when we come to this world, we're like human USBs that are fully loaded. Something that's already inside. But once you plug the USB into the power source, it actually makes the whole system better because of what's on the USB. We 
already have something that's already inside of us, but often we abandon it because of what's popular, what's not, society's going after this and this and this and this. But there's something that's already inside of us. Hmm. And if you can imagine a bird, a bird is not an alligator, but you can see how life would be difficult if the bird were trying to be an alligator. <laughs> but when the bird utilizes what's already inside of it, flight takes place. When humans use what's already inside of us, our dreams, our goals, our creativity, our faith, using all of that before society gets to you, is the truest essence when you're a child. That's why you learn the most, because you're the most open. Mm -hmm. There's already a love inside of you. I love this. I love running. I love dancing. Well, that's connected to the most penetrable part of your heart. Whatever is inside of your heart that you love to do, the do is connected to the be. Be, do, have. So the do is connected to the be. So when you're doing something that you love, it penetrates your being. And then you'll have the happiness because the happiness is already inside of you, but it needs to be woken up. So that's the first thing that I tell people. And I, I'm just like, yo, you do this, you do that. You chase money, you chase men, you chase women, you chase this business. Everything that you have to do has to do with something that's outside of you. You are trying to grow fruit on someone else's tree when you have a whole farm right here. Mm -hmm. You're growing. You're trying to raise somebody else's baby. You got three kids at home. <laughs> you're trying to find love out there when you already got a heart right here that's filled with stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you ignite it, it's, it taps into the essence of who you are. And when the essence of who you are is ignited, it will show outside because that all that frequency and energy and people will be magnetized to whatever it is. Right. And I mean, that's why your message is so pure because through hardship, you've been able to identify that you prioritize it and you're intentional about it, you know, and that's, that's just something that comes through and you have so much fire to you. And that's because like when you're in that space, like you really can express it and it, it comes out as so authentic. It comes out with so much energy because it's unrestricted. You know, it's, it's what, like you said, like a USB drive, right? Like it is just the, like, it is just built into you. And the second that you allow that program to play basically is the second that you get to experience your full potential. That's super interesting. Uh, I think it was in Joel Brown's podcast. You, uh, you went through the wheel of power as an exercise. And that's something I'm going to share on the podcast for other people to check out independently. But okay. But something that I identified was that, because um, it's basically a bunch of, it's eight different criteria within your life. The one that I was neglecting was fun and adventure. I like scored a four or something like that. And like, dang, that sounds like my inner child. Like what would my inner child think is fun? You know, and, it, like, and like that could be the gating item that ends up producing results everywhere else in your life. You just need to make sure that it's a fully functioning system without kind of taking any shortcuts in any areas. Um, yeah. And anyway, that's for me. All right, Garen, like you, you are an absolute beast. You're a stud. And I, I love... I love ending the podcast uh, kind of with one, it's a simple question, but it's not always easy. Um, but it's um, kind of like one takeaway, if there's something that represents the entire conversation or something that you want to make sure people remember from this conversation, 
um, that like really rings home? Like what, what would that highlight be? If you leave this life and you still have regrets, you did not pursue freedom. Allow freedom to be your North star, like mental, physical, in all areas, financial freedom. And your whole life will open up and you'll leave this earth without regrets. There we have it, Garen Jones. Garen's story is so far beyond what we were able to touch on in this interview. And before going into the summary, I highly suggest you check out more of his work. My favorite podcast episodes that he is featured in are Mark Metry's Humans 2.0 podcast and David Meltzer's The Playbook. Both of those episodes are linked in the description of this episode, and you can follow Garen on Instagram at garen.jones. As for our conversation, we started talking about Garen's tattoos and how they were a sign for him to formally recognize something in his life. He's a very connected spiritual being, and that is evident throughout the podcast. Then we talked more into the details of his transformation in prison, how he unconsciously manifested his imprisonment, but then became a free man while still in prison because he discovered his mental freedom. He also chose to surrender, to quit fighting against the forces that kept weighing him down, which ended up being the launch pad for his growth. Then we heard about Garen's perspective on the state of the world as it pertains to racial inequality where he highlighted the systems and teachings we have that generate biases we aren't even aware of. And that segued into talking about our inner child and doing what you love to do. We've been suppressing that urge and desire for years and it comes out in a lot of destructive ways, but it's also the source of our hardwired passion and ability to contribute. I am so grateful for this opportunity to chat with Garen. I love what I do. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation also. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.